Welcome to the Harbor Church Podcast. Harbor is here to connect people with Jesus and with each other. If you're looking to get connected, you can find more info at harborchurch.com. Now here's this week's message from Pastor Josh. Well, good morning, Harbor Church. Make a little noise. I know you're awake. Welcome, welcome. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for being here. Those of you that are tuning in on Facebook or on YouTube or listening to this on the podcast, my name is Josh. I'm the lead pastor here at Harbor Church. I'm thrilled that you're with us. Um, Even in the middle of a hurricane, man, I'm so glad that you guys are checking us out. I know some of you are here for the first time, or it might not just be your first time at Harbor. It might be your first time at any church. I'm thrilled that you're with us. Um, As Allison said a little bit earlier, we're in the fourth week of our series uh, at the movies, and so we are diving into yet another one. And this one is completely fictional. I just, I, I just need to make sure that everybody understands from week to week where we're at. Um, and we did, obviously, we started with Aladdin, and my buddy Wes preached that, and that's completely fake. And then, then we did P.T. Barnum, The Greatest Showman, and that's like a little bit of truth mixed with a lot of fiction. Last week, Ford versus Ferrari, totally true story. That was really cool. This week, complete fantasy. Next week, a, an amazing true story. Next week is probably one of my favorite movies uh, just because of the testimony, and it's such an awesome, awesome story. If nothing else, watch that movie and watch what God did in this guy's life and how, how he used him. It's just an amazing story. Um, but this week, this week is completely fictional, okay? And I need to know, how many of you are comic book nerds? Any of you out there, you into the comic books? Okay, so that's like three of us. Okay, cool. How many of you, maybe you're not into comic books, but you watch the superhero movies? How many of you have seen the superhero movies? All right, kind of get that. Okay. Um, and then how many of you, maybe you didn't see the superhero movie, but you know who Black Panther is? Does anybody? Okay, nobody. Okay, cool. <laughs> it's going to work really well. Now, see, Black Panther is a comic book hero, and he just got famous a couple years ago. And when, like, those of you that are older, there wasn't very many... Uh, superhero movies coming out for a while. Like you had like one Christopher Reeves movie like every 10 years or something, you know, maybe like Michael Keaton was Batman. But like their superhero movies were really spaced out. And then like the last 10 years, they put in, they've been out like 20 a year. I mean, it's just like superhero movie, superhero movie, superhero movie. In 2019, they, they came out with Black Panther and he was a lesser known comic book hero. But uh, the, the story is for this movie and for what most people know about him, is there's a young man named T'Challa and he's played by Chadwick Boseman, who's a great actor who's since passed away. Way. But this guy does a phenomenal job portraying this, uh, this prince of uh, a country in Africa, fictional country called Wakanda. And nobody knows about Wakanda because they're super advanced. Like they have insane technology, amazing weapons, super advanced science and medicine. But they're afraid that the rest of the world would try to take it from them and couldn't handle it. So they, they use this like cloaking device and they hide their entire nation from the rest of the world. So very few people know anything about Wakanda and all the superpowers that they have. And, and there's, a, there's a special purple plant that grows in Wakanda. And the king of Wakanda gets to eat this purple plant. And that'll play a role here later uh, when we get to it. And he gets these powers to become the Black Panthers, kind of like a superhero, um, kind of like Africa's version of, uh, of Captain America. This guy makes him super strong and fast and all that stuff. Well, T'Challa's dad, T'Chaka, is the king of Wakanda, and uh, he dies, and T'Challa is supposed to sit on the throne. He's supposed to be the next king on the throne, and I was watching this movie, and God just kind of spoke to me about a couple of things uh, that were prevalent in my life that I want to share with you, because I think it might be true of you as well. Here's what I've seen. The whole movie is about who should sit on the throne, and I think in our our day-to-day life, most of what we struggle with is who should sit on the throne of our life. 
And I read to you last week from Ephesians, and uh, I'm just saying this because we watch a lot of movies that have to do with fights or races or like cool drama, and it's all physical. Well, the Bible says that we have that same turmoil going on, but it's invisible. This is what it says in Ephesians chapter 6, 12. It says, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but we're fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. The battle that you and I have for the throne takes place on an invisible level internally. Who is going to be the God of your life? Who is it that gets to call the shots for you? When you were born, the Bible says you're born with a sin nature. You are not perfect. You're born a sinner. You're born broken and fallen because your earthly father, great ancestor, Adam, was a fallen man who sinned against God. And you've inherited that fallen brokenness, that sin nature. And because of it, nobody had to teach you how to lie or steal or cheat or any of that. You just are naturally good at it. Some of you are better than others. And so there's a battle taking place for the throne of your life. There's a battle taking place for who gets to sit on the throne, you in your sinful nature, you in your flesh, or do you allow something bigger than yourself? Do you allow the God of this universe to sit on the throne of your life? Most of us, since we were born with us sitting on the throne, we've struggled with that. Some of you have never allowed anybody to call the shots for your life except for you, because you know best and you'll fix your problems, and you'll solve your sin, and you'll find a way to, to take care of everything. But here's what the Bible tells us, is that you're not a good enough God to get yourself into heaven. You can't take away your sins. You can't right your wrongs. You can't overcome your past. You can keep trying, because that's what the rest of the world does. But you're going to end up in this constant battle for who should sit on the throne. The movie opens with one of these such battles. Watch this, and then we'll talk about it. Wakanda forever, man. It just gets pumped. That's just the beginning of the movie, right? You know? And see, here's the thing. The rightful king defends his throne. The rightful king sits on the throne. It's all over, right? Movie over. You came to church today. You did something for God. Movie over. Let's go. All good. Wait a second. Does that person always stay on the throne? What is it that's taking place inside of you right now as some of you are battling right now to hear from God and what he might have for your life, let alone what's going to happen tomorrow when you get out of bed or Wednesday when you talk to your boss or Thursday when you and your spouse are, are not getting along so well or Friday when your kids aren't, aren't doing what you want them to do or your parents aren't responding. What, what battle's taking place then? How, how about when that, that addiction comes back in, that temptation? What about the hatred in your heart, the bitterness that you have? What about the fear that you've been struggling with? The call to do the right thing. What do you do then? See, this is, this is what's happening inside of us. I like the way James says this in James chapter 4, verse number 1. It says, what's causing the quarrels among you? Don't they come from the evil desires that what? Are at war. The evil desires that are at war within you. There is a battle raging, okay? There is a good versus bad thing taking place inside of you. You are back and forth in there. I like the way uh, that this whole battle, I like the way that, that uh, Billy Graham uh, described it. Billy Graham is a famous evangelist or was a famous evangelist. He said it this way, the greatest barrier to you knowing God's will is simply that you want to run your own life, that we want to run our own lives. Our problem is that this battle is going on in our hearts. Here's the battle. It's a battle between our wills and God's will. 
See, that's, that's what's really taking place here. Don't be like, oh, you know, I just have two choices, and this one's this, and this one's that, and they're both good. Okay, no, I'm talking about like the back and forth between you and God. Who's sitting on the throne? Do you get to act in your way? Do you get to act out in your fear or your anger or your greed or your lust? Or are you going to act out in what God is calling you to do, where you trust and you forgive and you say no to your flesh? Do you, do you, do you have this battle back and forth in your heart about who's going to sit on the throne of your life? The Bible says in, in Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 through 24, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord. So here's more of this, uh, these, these things taking place about what I'm going to do with my life. Verse 24 says, remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. You got to read that backwards. If the master you are serving is Christ, then your reward will be an inheritance. Now, Josh Adams doesn't have a ton of inheritance coming to him, okay? His parents had five kids. I'm the middle. I don't know if I'm getting much of anything. I got a lot of hand-me-downs as a kid, you know? Like, my parents are phenomenal, phenomenal people. I want to give them all the honor that they deserve. They did a f- great job raising me. They loved Jesus, and they taught me to love Jesus, and uh, that's the most valuable thing they could ever pass on to me. But earthly possessions was not something that they, they accumulated a lot of, and so when they pass, that's not a big inheritance for me. However, if my parents were billionaires and handed me the, king, the keys to the kingdom, handed me everything that this world could offer, I can't take it with me. They could give me tons and tons. The best thing my parents ever gave me was a chance to know and follow Jesus for myself. And they've modeled that for me. And if they had given me tons of money, and if my parents win the lottery, I hope they do give it to me. <laughs> if you're watching, mom and dad, just pass that on. Um, but it's going to rust away. The Bible says that it'll either get stolen from me or rust away with me or be forgotten. I can't take it. And that's why the Bible speaks to this idea of inheritance all throughout Scripture. And I'm, I'm just kind of planting the seed because I really want to talk about this in a couple of months in a message that I'm going to do, uh, speaking to your inheritance with God. So let me just kind of, for those of you who've never heard this idea, the Bible says that if you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that you're an adopted child of God, you become a co-heir with Christ. I'll read you that verse here in a second. Um, And what that means is you get to call the King of Kings your father. That makes you a prince or a princess, if you will. I loved in that scene where... He's getting beat by the, the challenger to the throne, and he's hanging upside down. His mom says, show him who you are. And he gets stabbed, and he's like, I'm Prince T'Challa, son of King T'Chaka. He breaks it off like that. Like, yeah, let me think about who I am for a second. Woo, come on. Then he gets a little fired up, and then he wins. Because see, here's what I've realized in the movie, but also in your spiritual life, is that when you know who you are, or better yet, whose you are, you're going to know why you fight. You will have a much better job going, okay, I don't need to be on the throne of Josh's life. I don't need to sit on the throne of my life. I don't need to be the one calling the shots. I'm not the best king for that because my dad, the one I call my heavenly father, and I don't know if you had a good earthly father or not, and maybe you didn't, I'm sorry, but you, all of us, have an opportunity to have a heavenly father, the creator of all things, the king of kings says, I will call you my son, I will call you my daughter, and you can be a son of God or a daughter of God if you invite Jesus Christ into your life. And if you do that, then you get a royal inheritance. 
Now, I've thought a lot about what it would be like to be a Walton, you know, Sam Walton, not the, not the weird TV show Waltons, <laughs> Sam Walton's kids. I know some of you old people are like, yeah, Doc Boy. No, I'm not talking about that guy. Like, it'd be a Walton or a Gates or something like that. Have, like, somebody in my family just, you know, billions, you know. This is what I'm telling you is that the Bible says that long beyond that, that will, more than likely, that'll just bring you more frustration and more greed. But if you have an inheritance with God, it's going to do more for you if, if you bring up Colossians 3, 23 and 24 again, if the master you're serving is Christ, is what that, if you bring it to 24, the master you're serving is Christ, then you have this reward, you have this inheritance. Romans 8, 17 says this, since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Well, what is that? What is this thing I'm inheriting Pastor Josh, Titus 3, 7 says, because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence. We just sang a song about how you can have some confidence and have some hope. What do I have hope in? I have a confidence, I have a hope that I will inherit eternal life. My inheritance, what I get is I get to be in the kingdom with God. I get heaven as my home. I don't, I don't have to do things in my own power when Jesus sits on the throne of my life, when I have somebody else calling the shots, I have a greater inheritance. But here's the thing. What I've seen in this movie, what I saw in my own life time and time again, is that that requires, this inheritance requires me to put my faith in a savior. But all too often, I I don't really want to trust God because I think I've got a better plan. I think I'm smart enough. So you can either serve a savior or you can serve a substitute. And they, they constantly keep picking poorly in this movie and there's a substitute king who comes along and he challenges the throne he's played by an actor named michael jordan not the basketball player michael jordan a different guy uh, who's still a great actor he was in those apollo creed movies the rocky remakes and a great actor and he plays a guy named eric killmonger who is a bad guy and his his heart's kind of twisted and he challenges for the throne and they Some of the people accept him, and he's a poor substitute for T'Challa. T'Challa should be the one on the throne. And often, I think if you're honest with yourself, in a moment of quiet reflection, you know that God is calling you to trust him, but you don't. You're battling. You're battling to trust God. You know who the rightful king of your life should be, but you, you don't give in to that because there's a part of you that you, you think that you and all of your intelligence and all of your talent and all of the things you figured out and how smart you are or how cool you are or, or, or just, just how, how much better you are or, or just the fact that you don't like what you don't like about God, you feel like you make the best, best king of your life. You think that you should sit on that throne. Here's, here's the battle described in Galatians 5, 17 through 21. The sinful nature, you and your flesh, wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants to do. And the spirit gives us a desire that's opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And these two forces are constantly fighting with each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. They're constantly fighting. If you're sitting there going, that's a struggle, Pastor Josh. Yeah, I know, because you have two things warring inside of you. And some of you, listen, I'm just going to speak this over you. Be okay with that. 
Be okay with the fact that there's always going to be a heaviness pulling you away from God. There's always going to be this sinful desire. you got an adversary. I already told you that we're at war with these, this unseen darkness. You have Satan and his demons pulling you away. You have the world. You have the flesh that's inside of you. You have all these temptations. They're pulling you the wrong way. I'd actually say this. If you're not having a struggle, it might be that you've completely resigned yourself to go down this path, and there is no spirit living inside of you. You don't have God in your life. If you don't have a struggle, it might be that you've already made up your mind that you're going to sit on the throne of your life and then God's like hey he's just sitting there over here waiting for you to acknowledge that there might be something better that's when the struggle begins so if you have no struggle today sorry there might be something broken there's supposed to be a battle I only speak that over you so you don't feel like you're a complete failure if you wake up tomorrow and you're like what I want to do sinful things again. Like, yeah, like it doesn't matter that you're pursuing God. You're still going to have this desire to do something stupid and sinful and fleshly. And this is where the struggle is going to be. And if you're worried or if you're wondering, how do I know, pastor? I feel like I understand what you're saying, but how do I know who's sitting on the throne of my life? Great question. Here's a little test for you. When, the, the following verse says this. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature... The results are very clear. It's very obvious. It's very easy to tell who sits on the throne of your life. That person will have sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry. Remember, we did a whole series on idolatry. It's, the, it's when God is not number one in your life. If anything else is, that's idolatry. Sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, Division, anybody wish I'd stop reading? Envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, now watch this. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Here's your inheritance again. God has called you to inherit the kingdom of God. He's called you to have a home in heaven. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you not only to get out of hell, that's not all salvation is, is about not going to hell. Well, I want to go to heaven. What about the treasures that you store up for yourself in heaven? What about the fact that you have a limited amount of time on this earth to make an impact for Jesus? What about the, the people that you might be able to influence that same inheritance with? That will be true of people that have God sitting on their, the throne of their life. And the people who don't, don't get that inheritance because God isn't at the, on the throne of their life. God isn't the one that they're trusting. They're trusting themselves, and they'll be easily seeable or discernible through that whole list. So if you want to go back to that list in Galatians, go read Galatians 5, 19 through 21 for that list. And if those things pop up in your life, they are not from God. If you find yourself doing those things, that division, that lust, that giving into those, those that that poor mental attitude, that fear, that anger, that bitterness, those kind of things, those don't come from God. So if you're giving into those, if those are things that are becoming evident in your life, that is just a, a quick way for you to go, I'm making some decisions. There's some things in my life where I'm sitting on the throne and not God. And when that happens, you can guarantee there will be more struggles. When you sit on the throne, when anything other than God sits on the throne of your life, there will be problems. And as I mentioned, the character Michael Jordan plays, a guy named Eric Killmonger, he takes the throne from T'Challa. And the wrong king, the substitute, 
sits on the throne. And when that happens, it's all about making sure that he maintains that power. Same thing for us. Watch this scene, and then we'll talk about it. I love that scene. It's very quick, very short, but it's very poignant. His first thing when he becomes king is he wants to make sure nobody else can challenge him for the throne. Burn it all down. See, when you and I put ourselves on the throne of our life, when we start calling the shots, when we start making up who's going to do what and what we're going to have, one of the first things we do is we make sure that nobody can challenge us. So if somebody comes along and God puts somebody with some wisdom in your life to try to help you, one of the things you're going to do is push them out. One of the things you're going to do is you're going to start burning bridges. La, 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 I don't want to hear what pastor has to say. Nope, nope, close my Bible. I don't want to have to do that. That's why you don't read. That's why you don't pray. That's why you don't go to church. That's why you don't listen. That's why you don't have godly influences in your life. Because when you sit on the throne, regardless of how, whether you want to or not, the Bible says that you're going to always struggle with having, having any kind of good put in. This is what it says in Romans chapter 8, verse number 7. The sinful nature is always hostile to God. There's always going to be hostility. Your sin nature and the devil, your adversary, isn't going to stop trying to pull you away just because you made a decision to let God sit on the throne of your life. Come back in with ego. Oh, man, you're so good. You're so, you're so smart. Look at how much better you are. than You should be the one calling the shots. Look how good. You need to tell everybody else how wrong they are. Oh, look at y'all staring at me like you didn't type something on Facebook like that. You're going to come along with your ego and your pride, and you're, you're the one. You know so much. You're, you're so good. You keep in control. It says the sinful nature is always hostile towards God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. Just be prepared. There's going to be a nonstop battle. And if you choose to put yourself on the throne, if you promote yourself to the place that you are the God of your life, understand that self-promotion always precedes self-destruction. You will, you will begin to move in ways to preserve your power, to push God out, to push away common sense, to push away the best that God has for you. And in order to preserve you as, sit as the king of your life, as the, the one who sits on the throne of all decisions that you need to make. And when you do that, you will begin to burn down everything around you just like he did. You will begin to burn bridges. And, and, and some of you, you're not doing it intentionally, but just look at the times where you called the shots for your life. Look at how many relationships you've ruined. Look at how much damage you've done. Look at the sins that you allowed to creep into your life years ago that you're now suffering from that you can't shake off. Am I speaking to somebody today? When you sit on the throne of your life, you, you, and you don't even mean to, but all you can do is keep promoting yourself because you're insecure, because you know that you don't actually make a good enough God. All you can do with your life is just keep trying to push yourself up in hopes that people will get along and be like, yeah, you should be God of your life. But you know deep down that you ain't got the answers and you know that there is no real hope found in you, but you have to pretend like everybody else is pretending that you're all that. And that you've got it together. And it leaves you with this crippling insecurity where you're going, I'm so afraid that somebody's going to find out that I'm a crappy king. Just know God already knows that you're not a good enough God. That's why he said, let me take that off your plate. I've got a plan that's so much better than your plan. Just let me sit on the throne. But we don't do that. We struggle. See, this is the thing. The Bible says in Philippians 2.13, for God is working in you. He's battling in you. He's doing a, a job. There will, it will be an ongoing battle. It will be an ongoing working in you. Why? To give you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Oh, Pastor Josh, if I let, if I let God sit on the throne of my life, there's no way I can, do, I can do that. I know he wants me to forgive, but I can't forgive because I hate that person. Well, 
That's because you're sitting on the throne, and when you sit on the throne, all you can do is see how that person stabbed you in the back and how that person talked about you, and so you just sit there in your bitterness and your hatefulness and your hurt and your pain and your sorrow, and there's no room for anything else. But when you step out of the throne and you say, God, what do you have for me? You're the king of my life, and he sits on the throne. It says he will give you the desires and the power to do what you're supposed to do, so you don't have to do it in yourself, but in his power, he will give you the desire to go, I forgive you even if you don't even ask for it. And I love this person who is hard to love. And I will, and it, 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 if God is the, the king of my life and sits on the throne, then I will have the desire and the power to push away this thing that I've been struggling with, this addiction, this sin that I've been giving into. I have the power and the desire to do what's right. If I have God sitting on the throne of my life, then I can say, God, what do you want for me? And if what you want for me is to love somebody that's hard to love, then in your power, you will be pleased with me as I desire to do what you would have. So if that means loving your spouse when they're hard to love, do it. If that means respecting your boss when they're hard to respect, do it. If that means giving your tithe when you're afraid that you don't have enough money, you do it. If that means you go and you forgive and you let go of hatred, then you do it. Because God says that when he sits on the throne of your life, he will give you the power and the desire to do the right thing. Here's the problem. It's always a but, right? Oh, I hear you, I hear you, I hear you, Pastor. Good, yeah. I want that. If you want that, you're gonna have to change some things. And for some of you, the things you're gonna have to change is what you've been doing your whole life. See, a lot of us, we inherited things as we grew up. See, part of our earthly inheritance is that we watch people around us. Some of you, you watched your mom and dad model some things for you, and you picked it up. You picked up how they dealt with pressure. You learned how they handled fear. You watched your friends, you watched some siblings, you, you just do what everybody else has been doing. And then you hear a message like this where God says, I don't want you to do what the world's been doing. I don't want you to keep doing what you've always been doing. And now you're struck with, this is gonna be completely different for me. See, some of you, the battle you're having right now is God is poking you in the heart and you know that if you let him sit on the throne, that tomorrow will look a lot different than today looked. And that you'll have a Monday unlike any other Monday because every other Monday that you've gotten into has been you sitting on the throne doing what you want living in your pride or your hurt or your fear. And if you're gonna change things, you might have to go back and be like, hey, I'm not gonna do it the way I've always been doing it, the way my daddy did it, the way my mom modeled for me. I'm gonna have to do it different. See, in the movie, T'Challa has gotten replaced by Killmonger, the bad guy. And he's debating on whether he wants to give up or go back and fight for the throne again. And he has to go, he, he goes and he visits his ancestors. It's this weird comic book thing they get to do. But he's got to confront his ancestors. And the problem is all of the kings that came before him, they always, out of fear, hid Wakanda. And so they made decisions to keep themselves safe. And that's how they dealt with it, including this little boy named Eric who they should have brought in to Wakanda. They kept him out because they were afraid that it would, it would, it could challenge their anonymity, that they 
or, uh, that, that, they, that they would lose what they had if they brought that little boy in. That boy grows up to become the bad guy. And so T'Challa has to confront what the right thing to do is. Watch the scene, and then we'll talk about it. So many good things he said there. We have let the fear keep us from doing what was right. Does that sound like our lives? Does that sound like some of the mistakes in your past? Does that sound like what's happening in the world today? I shared with you during the music that we received letters. We, we received contact from missionaries that we have in Afghanistan. They received letters from the Taliban last week saying, we know you have Christian churches and we're coming to kill you. And they said today they're going to meet anyways. We don't meet if we get a little bit scared. It doesn't take much for us to, to, to peace out, to be afraid of doing what's right. There are people that don't have that, and we can model and say, God, where would I find that? Where can I go forward? Even, even if there's a part of me that wants to react in fear or fill in the blank, it could be a different emotion for you. How do I do the right thing? This is what Colossians 1, 11 and 12 says. We also pray that you'll be strengthened with all of his glorious power. There it is again, the power that comes from God. To do what? To have the endurance and patience you need. Anybody here need some endurance and patience? Oh, just me? Me and Kobe? Okay, cool. Amen. All right. That you may be filled with joy. The Bible's so weird, isn't it? I can have joy in the middle of struggles. I can be happy in the middle of a battle. You can. You can, you can be a disciple on the boat in a storm, and you can choose to freak out, or you can choose to be like, my God's walking on the water. This is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Woo! Or you can be like, oh, are we going to make it? What's going to happen tomorrow? Is God still God? Which one do we normally pick? Always thanking the Father, because he has enabled you. Here it is. He's enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. You get to share in that inheritance, and I'd also say share the inheritance. Go tell about, hey, this is what God has given me. He'll give the same thing to you. If there was an endless supply of an inheritance like that, wouldn't you want to go to everybody who's hurting, everybody who's struggling and saying, it doesn't cut away from me. You're not taking anything away from me. You can just share in it with me. It's just there's more for you. It's just, it's just there it is. It's for you. Here's, here's how you get it. But we don't do that because we're afraid, because we keep doing what we've always done. Here's what you need to understand. A new purpose will require a new path. If you want to see something new happen, do something different. What is the definition of insanity? To keep doing what you've always done, expecting it to change. Then why are you living your spiritual life where you keep sitting on the throne and expecting something different to happen? Here's, here's one of the things that you, you do, and I'm just going to speak this over you, and then we're going to end. Because I want to end on a positive note, but one more thing that I, got str I struggled with that I want to share with you, because I love you. This isn't a point. I didn't put it on the slides, but I want you to hear me. If you are saying that God sits on your throne, that God is the king of your life, but then you have drawn territory boundaries for him, he is not the king. The king sets the territory. The king defines the boundaries. If you say, God is the God of my life, and he can have all of this, but not this, then you're the king, and he's a puppet. You're not really allowing God to have access to your life. He's not really the king. The king is the one who says, this is, what, this is, this is where the domain is. This is the territory. This is my kingdom. 
And when you sit on the throne, you go, here's what it is. And God, I'm going to let you have all of that. God, I want you to have all my fear with work. And I want you to have my struggle with, with my friends over there. And I want, you to, I want you to take some of my finance problems over there. But you, you stay out of my area over here with my heart and when I, when I want to let go of things. God, I trust you. I trust you with, 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 with giving me all the things that I want, but I'm not going to trust you with tithing and, and, and giving back to you. God, I'm going to trust you over here with, with, with marriage and, 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 and family, but I'm not going to trust you with how to, how to be a better husband or a better wife or a better mom or a better dad or a better son or a better daughter. I want you to bless, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep this territory for myself. See, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Why? For you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't have two kings sitting on the throne. Some of y'all looking at me like you don't believe me. <laughs> like, I'm doing a pretty good job with it, Josh. God sits on the throne on Sunday mornings, and then I take care of it <laughs> Monday through Saturday. <laughs> it's working out fine. You guys ever play musical chairs when you're a little kid? There's only room for one butt on the seat. You can try to share, but there's only room for one. You'll never see two kings sitting on the same throne. It can be one. You can't serve two masters. You'll either hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. Here's the truth. There's a, there is a part of you that hates God. When you, in your flesh, in your sin nature, start to think about reading God's word and hearing his instructions, getting up and going to church, and I know I'm preaching to the choir, following after him tomorrow at work and doing the thing that you're supposed to do and not what you want to do, when you start leaning into what his best is for you, you start to hate it, and you're like, I don't want to do that. It's a real battle. Because there is a part of you that hates all things good because that master, the world, the flesh, the devil, that wants nothing to do with God's best for your life. And that's where that turmoil will come. If, if the right king sits on the throne, here's the positive end for you, okay? If the right king sits on the throne of your life, it will be very evident. It'll be very obvious. When the right king sits on the throne of your life, I, I read the whole list to you when you sit on the throne of your life, when you're the God in control, when you're the one that, that calls the shots. When the right king sits on the throne, you don't have that whole list of all those sins. You actually have something new and positive come out. When T'Challa takes back the throne from Eric, he starts doing what a good king would do. Watch this and we'll close. Good. Now, a lot of you might have seen the movie and never saw that scene. That's an extra credit scene. It's at the end of the credits. And so if you've never seen it, that's why. And I liked it. I put it in there because I liked what he said. He says, hey, Wakanda's no longer going to stand in the shadows and watch. It's time to contribute. We cannot, we must not. The illusion of division is threatening our very way of life. If you don't think that that, that, that feels like that movie was written yesterday, not three years ago. There's so much division. If the people who have the right king in their life would come together, man, what could we do for the world?
how would it look if every person in this room jumped off the throne and put God in control and then we said, God, as the king of my life, as the one sitting on the throne of my life, what would you have me do? Good question, Pastor. I don't know what the answer is. I do. John 13, 34, Jesus says this. I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. How did God love us? He loved us in the middle of our pride and arrogance and stupidity and even our hate. He still loved us and forgave us. Your love for one another is how they will, you're going to prove that you're my disciples. See, what you want is like, I'm a child of the king. Somebody give me a crown and a sash and a scepter, and I'll walk around letting everybody know I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. It's not how it works. The way you demonstrate that your daddy is the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of heaven, the way you live that out, because you have confidence that your inheritance is his kingdom, and so you walk around loving people the way he loved you. And that's where they go, oh, something different about him. She, she's, not, she's not like other girls. There's, there's something different. I, I, need, I need to know what, what's going on in their life. Now they're curious about your inheritance. 1 John 4, 7 says, Dear friends, let's continue to love one another, for love comes from God. And anyone who loves is a child of God. God is their dad, their father. They know God. Let me reverse it. Verse 8 says it backwards. Anyone who does not love does not go, know God. See, the byproduct of having the king the right king sitting on the throne is that your allegiance will always be shown through your action. When you have the right king sitting on the throne, your actions will come out as love. When you are the one sitting on your throne, it will be that whole other list. The pride, the selfishness, the lust. You have a decision to make right now. Who's going to sit on the throne of your life? If you've never invited Jesus Christ as your personal savior, that's the most important decision. Do that right now. That's called salvation. That's how you have a home in heaven. And a lot of you would say, well, I've already invited God. Okay, great, you're saved. But did you take back the throne? Did you ask God to be your savior and then you start acting like you're king again? Well, not in a lot of areas. If it's one area, then you're the king. Is there any area that you've told God that he won't, he's not allowed to work in? Is there any area you've been telling God no? Here's the, here's the truth. Nobody tells a king no. If you've been saying no to God, he's not the king of your life. I'm telling you that. I don't, I'm not trying to hurt you, but that's the truth. If you have said no to God, then you are the king of your life, and you are heading for destruction. You're, you've put yourself out of his will, out of his blessing. So what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to pray over you. And my prayer is that if you really have the God of this universe sitting on the throne of your life, your actions will prove your allegiance. It'll be easy to see the love that you have for other people. Not just, yeah, go out there and grab a couple index cards and buy some school supplies for kids. Please do. You're the last service since we had to cancel next service. You're the last service. Grab them all. But I'm talking bigger than that. 
It should be the conversation you have tomorrow. It should be the grace you show your enemy. It should be the compassion that you have for the person who's never had compassion for you. It is, it's going to come out. And if it doesn't, the wrong person is sitting on the throne. In this moment right now, we can go before the almighty throne. Hebrews tells us that we can go boldly before the throne of grace. You can right now go before the Father, the King of Kings, and you can tell him, I screwed up. News, I mean, big shocker, he already knows. Just tell him. As I pray, why don't you pray? If you would bow your head, close your eyes. Let's ask God to do a work in our heart. Dear only Father, God, we need you. We need your help, and we need the hope that only you can give. God, in this moment, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice that they would accept you as their Lord and Savior. God, for the person who has never known you, that has never trusted you, God, I pray that in this moment they would find salvation. God, I pray that they would come to trust you. You said that if we would confess that you and you alone are God, that we can't solve our sin problem, that we can't fix us, that you would save us. So God, I pray for the person who needs to do that for the very first time. God, I pray for the Christians under the sound of my voice that have taken back authority. They've taken back the throne. They've, they've said that you're the God of their life, but then they began to act in their own selfishness. God, we, we will be known by how we love, how we love our spouse, how we love our family, how we love our friends, how we love our coworkers. God, you said we'd even be known by how we love our enemies. So Lord, would you help us do that? God, in this moment, we lift up those who do not have the freedoms that we have. God, we lift up those that are struggling, that are being persecuted, martyred right now, God, our brothers and sisters. Lord, we ask that you would bless them, comfort them, protect them. God, would you use this room filled with people, this group of people that have so many freedoms, so, so much opportunity, God, that we're wasting. Would you use us to be the kind of people that turns this country upside down, that turns the world upside down for the love of Jesus. God, while we have time, would you use us in a real and tangible way to love you and let your love shine through us to others? God, we pray that more people would come to know Jesus and would find this same inheritance that we have found. God, would you use us? We ask this and we claim this in your blessed and holy name. Amen. If you'd like to support the ministries of Harbor as we bring the hope of Jesus to our community and around the world, you can visit harborchurch.com give or text any amount to 84321. Thanks for listening. See you next week.